0: Hello, everyone. This is William Tolan from VWFM, and you are currently listening to the VWFM podcast. This is the voice of the workforce management professionals. My guest in this podcast is, again, a very experienced WFM colleague from the European region. As far as I know, she lives in Netherlands. However, she is Romanian. And my aim is to have a more technical discussion to get the benefit of her great experiences. So it is time to welcome to our special guest, Adriana. Hi, Adriana. Thank you for joining us. How are you today?
1: Well, happy to be here and happy to hear you again. Thank you.
0: We are also really pleased to have you here. So we are going to have more technical topics in a bit. But before we do, of course, we would like to hear your background for our listeners.
1: Okay, so I'm WFM Manager for Forecasting Capacity Planning Team in Groupon for two years and a half now. Uh, but my WFM journey started in 2015, uh, in Conduent as a WFM planner um, for Group One, with a, a small stop as a WFM analyst at GoDaddy, uh, where I was RTA, uh, reporting analyst, scheduler, planner, forecaster for multiple sites in the same time.
0: Wow, that sounds really amazing. So how did you evolve in WFM uh, in Conduit and how do you like it?
1: Um, well, what I can say is that uh, uh, I end up working uh, in WFM by mistake. Um, after working in banking for 10 years, um, I decided that I needed a change. I wanted something that I really like, not just to sell money. My background is um, of mathematics physics, so I wanted something more real, let's say. Mm-hmm. So I sent my resume to HR Convent and they surprisingly contacted me to offer okay. me three positions. Uh, And after the interview, they decided that I will be suitable for WFM planner. I had no idea what is WFM, uh, because in Romania, it was very new. And the conduit was the only one that was providing WFM services at that time. After my first day, I thought that I will never survive the probation period. (laughs) But after three months, I was a scheduler for four projects, and I was doing forecast and uh, planning for two of them. So it was crazy. Uh, Do I enjoy it? Uh, No, I love it. I wake up in the morning thinking what kind of analysis should I do or how should I change my approach in specific situations. Uh, Making forecast and capacity planning for a company like Groupon when everything changes very fast and we always try to do improvements really keeps keeps me alive.
0: I remember these days. Very well. (laughs) So uh, I also remember uh, you are a really good forecaster. And when do you forecast? uh, Is there any favorite technique that you would like to use for, you know, short term, midterm or the long term and why?
1: Um, No, I don't have a specific technique when when I do forecast. I always um, base my forecast on what I'm forecasting, right? Um, If I do short-term forecast, I start at channel level because um, we have a lot of promos. We have uh, system outages. We have events. We have a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration. So uh, we start from daily level. Um, then we are moving uh, by channel type. So according with uh, what it's best for the country that I'm forecasting for the channel that I'm forecasting, I'm considering um, um, in, in average seven approaches. And I check which one is the best suitable for what I'm forecasting. If I'm forecasting merchant operation, if I'm forecasting content operation or uh, frontline activities, I'm checking which of the seven approaches is the best for me and I'm choosing that one. So I don't have a a special one. I have seven special
0: approaches. (laughs) (laughs) But which one from these seven approaches does provide the better forecast accuracy? Did you notice something like
1: that? Well, I did notice, for example, for the capacity forecast. Uh, For the 13 weeks in advance forecast, um, usually time series forecasting is the one that gives me the best uh, forecast accuracy. On long-term forecast, seasonality and growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, is the one that uh, usually is what we choose considering the best forecast accuracy. We do monitor forecast accuracy for uh, interval level, daily level, weekly, uh, 13 weeks and yearly, right? So seeing this um, for capacity, yes, time series forecasting is the one that uh, we usually
0: choose. This is also what I uh, like actually. (laughs) This is my favorite because when you have more data, uh, its forecast accuracy is getting better. Okay, yeah. so the second part of this question, have you ever noticed something specific among the regions? Because I, as far as I know, there are a lot of markets running in Groupon. Um, and when you manage the forecast or the capacity planning for these several markets, uh, did you ever notice something specific before and the post-pandemic?
1: Yes, um, of course, being global. Uh, we can easily identify the changes that appeared post-pandemic, mm. and uh, we have seen that customer behavior in the Latin countries uh, changed. This produced a change in the intraday distribution. Uh, before pandemic, most of the people, um, our customers, were working in the office, and uh, they were contacting us during the day in their breaks or during the week while they were going home or something now working from home we have seen that the volume for weekend increased like a normal monday we can see the volume for saturday Um, and we see the the peak intervals extended if uh, for example for a market uh, from europe with uh, latin roots let's say we were seeing around uh, three or four hours of peak now we see the peak intervals extended and we need to change our requirements and uh, the shift of our agents working to covers the, those picks, so we need now to change our uh, weekend rotation we need to increase the staffing in weekend um so this uh, this really let's say had an effect after the the pandemic yeah but a good thing, after the pandemic, um, a lot of um, companies kept the, the persons to remain uh, to work from home. And a lot of our agents are choosing to work from home. So the absenteeism reduced and we have some components yeah, that advantage. almost yeah reduced to, to zero. So we have more productive hours available.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. We've a lot of changes before pandemic or post, post-pandemic and... You use several approaches for forecasting. How you manage the documentation of all these details? Because uh, you may miss any information that may affect your forecast in the future. So uh, let's talk about it a little bit. How you manage these all details in document? Do you, do you, do you document these all changes? Probably yes. Okay, but how?
1: <laughs> yes, we do document. Um, I try to to keep... Uh, everything uh, written with my team together. Uh, In my team, everybody is split. Uh, I have forecasters for frontline. I have forecasters for content operation, for MO. So this means each one of them is responsible for our own backyard. And Mm -hmm. we gather information um, that uh, can affect the pattern, that can affect the volume. And we track. We have a document where we track all the system issues for all the mainstreams. And based on those uh, system issues, we are uh, looking to see how they affect the volume, right? And we make an analysis. When this happens, this is uh, what we expect in the volume. Uh, Then we have uh, upcoming holidays. We do track and we make analysis of how the the holidays or, I don't know, fairs or uh, uh, whatever happens to each market can affect the volumes. And we document, we have an analysis that we are moving it from one year to another, right? We don't make an analysis for Easter every year. We continue what we did last year, two years ago, and we document everything that uh, we expected to happen and why it didn't happen, or if it happened, we expect to happen next year we document Um, we have a a tool that we created is the promo impact Mm. Uh, we we receive information from uh, marketing regarding promotions right with uh, what channel where what date uh, what we expect and based on this we look in in past what happened and we document right we we had a promo of 20 percent in this line of business so we expect the volume to increase with five percent on that specific time of business. Therefore, if it comes on a Monday, the volume will be affected in a specific way. If the promo is on a Friday, the volume for weekend will be affected in a a specific way. So we created this kind of uh, what if scenarios for each Mm -hmm. time of promo. Mm -hmm. And we know when we have it, uh, this is what happened in past. We documented, and now this is what we expect. We write everything down. I'm old, (laughs) so everything needs to be uh, written down.
0: Yeah, you you of course, you try to control the old figures as much as possible. Yes. Yeah, that, that sounds really great, actually. So which part of this WFM cycle that you struggled uh, before? I just wonder how did it affect your performance? I mean, because, you know, uh, we may have some lessons learned. So can you provide some, you know, real-time samples for us during your career? oh ho, ho.
1: <laughs> during my career i've been involved in all the circ- uh, wfm uh, circle yeah. right uh, i was a reporting analyst real time analyst scheduler planner forecaster so i've been through all of them um, and i struggled with all <laughs> as uh, wfm industry in um, in romania is not that known and extended so i had uh, minimal informations and minimal trainings so this means that I start to look online. I looked online for information. I bought trainings for myself to, to do. Trainings that wow. in time I transform it in trainings for my team. Uh, then the OEWFM, uh library. It's very good, big, and has a lot of information in it. And I can say that I'm on the, the group, on Telegram group every day, looking for something new. We are uh,
0: on Telegram, right? Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Um, and uh, I always ask if I have questions I always ask I have um, a a very good um, network of professionals in WFM and if I'm struggling with something I was learned to ask so um, every time I'm struggling with something I'm pretty sure that someone had the same situation at a specific time and I'm reaching out what I learned is that in our industry in WFM you have to do tailoring not what worked for something, someone would work for you, but you need to adjust it according with your line of business. What you are using for the frontline, it won't work for content operation because they are doing totally different things. So you need to do tailoring and adapt what you know on the situation. I think so, this is the
0: main thing. Yeah, you, 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 yeah. You, you're definitely right. Uh, this is the main thing that you, maybe you cannot use the same approach that someone used before, but you can adjust the experience according to your requirements right
1: yes always try to to see see it from uh, where you need to go this is how I do okay I need to do a specific uh, analysis but what will be my outcome so I'm going from the outcome to going back with the steps to find out what I'm missing so pretty much this is my lesson learned. <laughs>
0: <Thank you>. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> So do you have any suggestions to the WFM professionals to be successful in their career like you? Uh, Or do you have any specific advice that you would like to give our listeners who would like to have a WFM career in the future?
1: Well, um, when I'm recruiting someone, um, my first, let's say, requirement that that person needs to have is to be creative. Um, Don't base your workload just on uh, technical things just on the data that you have you need to be a little creative to understand the data from all points of view and pretty much this is what uh, what I I look I look for creativity and um, base the the workload the the forecasting on your experience as well Mm -hmm. Um, my motto is forecasting is an art Mm -hmm. and I really see it yeah. The art has like 50% from, from the overall outcome, not just the values and the formulas. Yeah, so be yeah. creative.
0: Yeah, definitely. This is something that each WFM professional needs to have. Yeah, because, you know, uh, while working with the numbers, figures, you need to feel the, the, the arriving patterns of the numbers. This is a kind of DNA of the you know, each channel or each workload. You, this is a kind of art. Uh, art. And the, everything actually starts, my perspective, uh, with the forecasting. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So I just also wonder, you, you manage the global uh, WFM operations. So how do you manage the effect of the cultural difference? Because of there are several locations. They cause the different numbers while calculating your you know productivity utilization or shrinkage, HD that affects the productivity. So uh, what is the best way working to write down, or, and, or, you know, you make the documentation, but, uh, you know, what happened also two years ago to consider these changes in your calculations? What is the effect of the cultural differences? What you notice?
1: Well, from my point of view, cultural differences affect all the, mo- the metrics. Um, but mostly, as you said, uh, they affect the shrinkage. Uh, we do work with multiple location all over the world, and um, what we are doing for us, the best practice is to do forecast for each component uh, of shrinkage and here I'm talking about absenteeism. We do forecast each component, late, uh, sick, um, everything that goes uh, on that. Then uh, holiday allotment, we calculate for each location in uh, in separate. Uh, then the non-productive activities, we calculate it for each location separately, each team, um, each location, each vendor. Um, because we have public holiday, Uh, A public holiday, for example, um, a religious holiday, like 15th of August, can affect um, France in a way, Mm -hmm. uh, can affect um, uh, Italian in a way, uh, and can affect uh, Germany in a way. It's not a public holiday for Germany, but yet you can see that the volume are dropping in that uh, days and the shrinkage is increasing. Yeah. for the, for the agents that are supporting that country. So, uh, we do consider separately, and we are going to the the micro uh, part of the the shrinkage that uh, that will affect and the volume itself. We have festival, religious holidays. We have raining season in some some locations. Yeah. So, because of this, we will have outages. So. Every single location has its own uh, particularities that we try to document, try to find the impact and to see how they will affect and when, right? Start of school. Start of school can increase absenteeism in some location, but in some location can increase the attrition because we have students that work with us during the summer Mm -hmm. and now they are starting school and and leave us, right? So we make analysis and we uh, add them in our requirement calculation, I started at Coupon in uh, 2020 in March, exactly the start of pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Nice uh, I Yes, I actually went to the office just one week and after that, everything closed. So um, seeing myself in a new position, in a new situation and um, with something new happening, I start to document all the shrinkage produced by uh, COVID and what actions we took per location, per effect, right? The system outages because we moved the agents from the offices to uh, work from home um, and we start to document all the BCPs, BCPs everything that uh, that happened in order to include them if another wave, uh, wave came. And we had another wave of COVID and we document that as well and another wave of COVID. so. All this uh, affected different parts of the the world in different times, and we add them in our forecast. Um, Another analysis that we uh, we did uh, was the impact of the COVID uh, cases all across the world and the channel. So we know in every single uh, part of the world how uh, the new wave of COVID uh, will affect if it comes. So we go from micro- to create mm-hmm. to when, when we are seeing the cultural uh, impact over the volume, shrinkage and everything.
0: That sounds nice. What is the situation compared to before? I mean, did you exclude the COVID impact right now? Or let's say Groupon yes. is ready for any kind of situation like COVID?
1: Well, um, what I learned after uh, COVID is uh, to see differently the, the values that uh, we received for from the last two years, right? Uh, we start going at micro, as I said, to check the reason code. Every value, every weekly value, daily value for us, it's uh, transport uh, uh, translated uh, based on the reason why did we receive that contact? Mm -hmm. And we we know the the reason codes that are um, uh, produced by COVID, and we try to eliminate them from our volumes. So first, we take a look at the the values. We eliminate whatever was produced by COVID, and we we start fresh uh, with the data that we do. Uh, Then uh, we are looking for this year's values to see with what uh, years from the last six uh, years of data are Mm -hmm. matching, which one is keeping the same trend.
0: Really? Okay. And
1: and this is how we understand uh, what we can follow because uh, COVID is still here, right? So we can still have uh, another wave of COVID. We don't delete, we just exclude and try to in- identify this year. Maybe the customer kept the same uh, trend as last year, right? Or two years mm-hmm. uh, away because COVID didn't affect at all the markets in the same place. So we yeah. analyze uh, everything with six years. Um, for example, now that we are seeing that the COVID cases are increasing, uh, we started to work on a what-if scenario for the peak season. Uh, to to have a view of the what worse can happen in the peak season from mm-hmm. shrinkage perspective per location per uh, per team per line of business and volume, yeah. just to be sure that okay now we are making a forecast excluding the uh, the impact of COVID, but what if we have another uh, wave? How oh, another wave... major
0: major event globally yeah. that may affect? So Group One is ready for this kind of things as far as I understand from the WFM perspective.
1: <laughs> From forecasting uh, point of view,, uh, we always provide this kind of scenarios. Um, we always try to see in advance. this is our job, right? We are forecasting. Yeah. We need to know what uh, what worse can happen. So and of
0: course, that has to do management to make the right decisions.
1: Yes, We prepare the data, and then let's see how how it goes. From our point of view, we try to to prepare let's see how how it goes (laughs) i hope that we will not have a another covid case but we have seen that from one wave to another the impact was um, uh, reducing let's say that we are starting to get in a um, in a way of uh, normality right so if another covid uh, wave comes not everyone will be that much affected like in 2020 yeah, but yeah. we are preparing the numbers. Yeah.
0: So these actually all have to do management to increase the customer satisfaction also from WFM perspective. Uh, but do you have any, you know, real real sample that you you, you remember right now to increase the customer satisfaction?
1: Well, um, my job is to increase the customer satisfaction by um, delivering the right people with the right skill at the right time, right? Um, My teams, I have a team of forecasting and one of capacity planning, they are actually the owners of uh, of this, right? We are the Mm -hmm. ones that say uh, when to hire, how to hire and what skills they need to do. So, uh, from my point of view, we try to be careful to request uh, new higher classes in the thir- 13 weeks in advance uh, time. We have uh, weekly meetings with HR and GLD in order to be sure that the classes are delivered at the correct uh, uh, time uh, and the agents that are coming are training on what we need. Uh, uh, let we me actually... interrupt
0: you here because I mm-hmm. just want to clarify that why the 13 weeks in advance is really important for you because of, you know, uh, based on specific auditing methodology like COPC or something else?
1: Yes, um, COPC related and uh, what actually can be delivered, right? Because we need to be sure that uh, HR has time to recruit, mm-hmm. the agents have time to leave their uh, old jobs and then uh, to be uh, to have time to be trained, right? The, the training, nesting. So in average, we are having around 13 weeks um, uh, until we request and the agent is entering production. It can be uh, lower uh, this period, but at least we are flagging it with uh, 13 weeks in advance.
0: So it also helps to increase the utilization uh, or the efficiency of the operations, right?
1: Yes, of course. But on top of this, um, we have monthly meeting, uh, bi-weekly meeting to review the capacity and to flag to operation when we need to hire. So right, do you so, have
0: any do we have any collaboration with hr uh
1: yes we we do have a, a weekly meeting when we mm-hmm. discuss what we need we really need to to hire when uh, what is the status uh, how many agents we have in pipeline uh, we have a a weekly meeting where we discuss we get all the department involved and we are uh, trying to to be on top of what is coming in our production
0: I mean, these new hiring uh, classes are based on the needs of the operations, like, you know, frontliner or the back office activities. As far as I know, you do all of them, right? Not only.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the new hires classes are uh, requested based on the, the needed requirement, right? What what we see. And yes, it covers everything that we have uh, in our uh, production centers, the frontline, uh, back office, uh, merchant operation, content operation, back office activities, everything. It's uh, in our scope of forecasting and capacity planning.
0: You know, back office activities, forecasting, is always a problem because of less data. So, mm-hmm. what kind of protections that you are using to reach out to better focus for back office activities? Because you know we don't have you know, arrival patterns uh, yeah. for them. Uh, the, there are different transactions as well. So, how do you yes. uh, increase your utilization?
1: Well, uh, what I can say it was a huge work uh, done by operation, and uh, honestly, they they did a wonderful job. They created for us um, a master file with all the activities that are happening per team with reports with time in motion study with time that they have to to spend for a a, a case for a, an action um, so we have a huge document with everything in it, and we started to factor in uh, for example, reports that need to be um, uh, run in the morning, reports that need to be run on the Friday, reports that need to be run to uh, twice per month, right? So we started to from the smallest activity that they have, a team can have like ten activities then. Uh, ten things to do in in one day. So we started from from the the small, and we created a, a requirement based on their workload that we receive from time in motion. They they book their time. I'm handling this process from nine to ten, right? So yeah. based on that, we we translated everything in an Excel and we mm-hmm. created a distribution curve for the workload, and that was our uh, pattern to to create the schedules for them. But we worked very close with operation and and they were wonderful. They delivered us everything that we needed.
0: That sounds great again. (laughs) So after (laughs) several years of experience related to workforce management in different companies for the different regions, do you still enjoy workforce management and why? I mean, also, let me also add, where do you foresee your career in a couple of years?
1: Well, yes, I really enjoy working in, in WFM because it's not boring. Uh, you. you always have to do something an analysis of a new tool right because we, <laughs> yes we always want to do improvements in, in my team in in my history work or, or everywhere i was um, in charge with doing improvements so we always think of something new let's try something new impact of a new tool a new channel a new hoop a new promotion you always need to think of something So from my point of view, it's not boring and it really keeps you alive. Uh, And at the end of the day, it gives you satisfaction when you look at the forecast accuracy and you see that you are still in the bandwidth, regardless that you have a new tool that uh, it was just launched, right? Or a new channel. It gives you the satisfaction and it motivates you to do a little more. So do I still enjoy WFM? Yes. I try to work as a PMO at some point. And after let's say nine months, I I run to to WFM like um, this is what I have to do, so I love it. Uh, where do I see myself in um, later? Uh, I to see myself still in WFM, uh, still having my uh, my team, maybe teams, who knows? <laughs> um, but um, WFM it will be my my retiring um, line of business from my point of view
0: this, I mean, sounds very lovely to me uh, as the one uh, who has the same patience. Adriana, we are out of time. It's a pleasure for me uh, to talk with you. And really, really big thanks for setting aside some time today uh, and be our guest in this episode. Thank you for sharing your fantastic experience and the journey. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add before uh, ending our podcast?
1: Thank you for the opportunity that you gave me. And um, I would like to to say everybody the same advice. Uh, please continue to be creative. Um, when we do forecast, we have machines, we have formulas, we have files, but the human interaction is the most important from my point of view. So let's don't forget this.
0: Yeah, be creative. This is our new motto. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, so much, Adriana.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening. WWFM. This podcast is made and produced by Andrea Leitão, Bilge Hentelman, Doug Carsteton, Gonçalo Gomes, and Kim Paz. If you like this show, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues. Visit our website wwfm.com to find more exclusive interviews and WFM content. See you next time! All rights reserved.